you know it's sugar free Now tell me girl, how you like your tea? Up in here, we like it sugar free Come to supper, get up with me With your girl sitting back, I'm a little crazy Ooh, right here with me It's where you wanna be Let's get it sugar free, yeah Now tell me girl You be saying no, 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 when it's really no, 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 no. You be saying no, no, no. Uh, wait. <laughs> Is that how the song goes, y'all? Y'all were just gonna let me sing the wrong words? I thought we were friends. We were supposed to be better than that. Anywho, I just got so lost in the music trying to practice some of the lessons we're gonna hear today from our very special guest, Miss Anana Johari Harris Paris, self care expert professional boundary setter and facilitator of the word no, 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 about setting some real boundaries. I don't know about y'all, but it took me years of burnt bridges, therapy, and failure to develop the courage to say no. And it's still something that I struggle to do today, especially with things and people that I truly care about, like my family, my Bentley, and y'all know my coin, okay? So today, I have invited Anana to the tea party to give us, um, mm, well, really me, but hopefully y'all get some out of this too. <laughs> anyway, I invited Anana here today to give some real advice, support, and tools on how to be better at setting some real, firm boundaries. So let's go on ahead and get into it. Welcome, Anana, and please introduce yourself to our guests. Uh, well, first of all, I am honored to be here. Thank you for having me, Sydney. I'm glad you're here. Yes. Um, well, I'm many things, but I always like to say I am somebody's daughter, somebody's granddaughter, somebody's mama, somebody's sister. Um, and I'm also somebody that has been given a lot of grace and a lot of love and support, um, even when I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I like to start with that. Um, but I am also the founder of the Self-Care Agency and also the Sister Care Alliance. The self-care agency is a social enterprise, which just means we're a business out here that actually cares about society. And so we provide services that promote strategic self-care. Um, and that's in the form of trainings, um, workshops, speaking engagements, um, and then of course, strategic self-care tools. And then the Sister Care Alliance is our proactive community engagement organization. It's a nonprofit initiative that teaches self-care as a form of social justice and social justice as a form of self-care. So I am here today representing both of my loves and my passions and my contributions. Yes, author, I love all of that. You are amazing. <laughs> and we are so lucky to have you today to talk about boundaries um, especially as they relate to self-care. And so this particular topic was so important to me. So as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I feel like setting boundaries has been something that I have struggled significantly with in my adult life. Yeah. 
And I figured that I could not be the only person who's had these struggles. And so I wanted to talk about them and who better to talk about them than the expert herself. So (laughs) let's just jump right into it. And can you start by telling us what is a boundary? Sure. A boundary is a very clear, proactive, communicated stance. Um, It can be an action. It can also be a belief. And whether it is a belief or an actionable stance, it is real and it is tied to what you critically need to feel safe, whole, and to really live out your purpose. So that's what a boundary is. There are some clinical terms for it. Um, I am not a clinician. I am not a therapist. I come with a definition that allows us to see where the practical tie is to what's happening in our everyday life. And that has a lot to do with what we critically need and what our purpose is here. That's, that's deep. That's, that's (laughs) as deep as we need to get, right? (laughs) So, so tell us why are boundaries so critical to self-care? Because I think that as I was doing reflecting, I didn't really connect the two Mm -hmm. that boundaries had anything to do with self-care. Like, so, so why are they critical to caring for yourself? Well, boundaries are super critical to caring for yourself is because there's no way to sustain addressing what you critically need if you don't set a boundary that's also sustainable, right? And that's part of what a boundary is. There's some momentary uh, boundaries that for the moment, I just need you to back off. For the Mm -hmm. moment, I'm not available. Right now, it's a no, right? Mm -hmm. So those are kind of momentary things that are based off of, at times, our capacity, our emotional state. Um, We might be tender. We may just not have it, right? Um, And there's also moments where we don't know why. (laughs) Like we can't, describe it. We can't really define it. Um, And so that's momentary. But when it comes to your lifestyle and the quality of your life, to be able to maintain a quality life that's tied to your purpose, that has you not living in survival mode, that keeps you from this roller coaster up and down experience where you can't find a rhythm or an equilibrium that allows you to feel like you're available for others then boundaries have to be there to protect that which you are nurturing, right? Without the boundary, then that which you critically need becomes exposed, played with, toyed with, asked about, poked, prodded on a regular basis, right? So if you have a critical need to not talk to anybody early in the morning, right? That's the opposite of me. I'm a little bit of a (laughs) social like, before 7 (laughs) a.m. But there's some people that have a critical need to really protect that time, right? And if you constantly ignore the need for that boundary to be there on a regular basis, it begins to chip away at your spirit, right? Because protecting that time helps you protect your ability to focus on your purpose, because that is a special time in your day and in your mind and in your biorhythm, right? That allows you to really build up for the day and recover from the previous day. So boundaries are there to really protect 
that which we need to nurture, um, that which we are still putting a salve on, that we're putting an ointment on from the previous day so that we don't interrupt a healing process, that we don't interrupt a blessing moment, right? So that we just don't interrupt what is divinely set for us to just really um, receive and continue to live out our purpose. I love that. So, so what does it say? And, you know, and I don't want to assume, but like, does it say something about you if you're not good at setting boundaries or you have an inability to set boundaries or what makes it so difficult to set boundaries? Because in my own experience, when I was at a point that I wasn't able to set clear boundaries, I was scared. I was scared of disappointing people. I was scared how other people might feel. If I said no to something, I I was afraid of what people might think of me Mm -hmm. if I said no to something. And so like, what about boundary setting is so difficult? And and, and what, if anything, does it say about us if we have a a difficulty setting those boundaries? Let me start with the first question. Um, The challenge with boundary setting is that it requires authentic courage, right? Like you can't hide from what you need. You can paint over it. You can, you know, dress it up, slap some bright red lipstick on it. But if you, if you um, continuously ignore a critical need, then what happens is you get used to dancing around it yourself and you don't get to practice strengthening this courage muscle that allows you to face the fact that one, you may not have been addressing the need, right? Which drums up a little bit of embarrassment in some people. And then two, you start to realize, man, my muscle is a bit weaker than I want it to be. And I don't even know what to do to strengthen this courage muscle to be able to address what I need to set the boundary, right? And so there's some layers that are there that um, it takes time a little bit to build up. Um, That courage that's required is one of the reasons. Um, Fear kind of ruling our our days and us not understanding how empowered we are by taking a step and saying, hmm, what do I need to tell this person no, right? Because in our mind, we're supposed to be this superhero. We watch these television shows and we hear people spit out, no, you know what? This is who I am. And I look at how I have arrived in my life, right? (laughs) We see people at the end result of a whole lot of work. And so we pressure ourselves to say, well, why can't I have that courage that easily? And quite often it is not acquired easily. Quite often there is a journey, there's support, there's love, there's somebody cooking you dinner, there's somebody that gave you a hug. There are a bunch of steps that led up to that person's Um, courage explosion that allowed them to set a permanent boundary as opposed to a temporary one. So I'm going to say first it's courage. Well, I want to, I want to like kind of dip into that a little bit because you said you, you watch the people on TV yeah, and they have this ridiculous amount of courage, but I also feel like culture, television, in terms of creating this superhero narrative, also have created, I feel like, this narrative that makes it difficult to say no. Well, there's a couple of things happening, right? And so courage 
historically has been nurtured by elders. And so we typically miss this cross-generational wealth of knowledge and support where we can have a tough day and talk to an elder who's walked that walk already. And then we get encouragement, right? You see the word embedded. We get encouragement from someone who's already done that. And so when you watch television, you're not seeing everybody on a regular basis circling back to an elder for some wisdom about how can I have the courage to set this boundary? And the elders say, listen, I'm gonna tell you no matter how many times you deal with this, it's gonna keep coming back up until you address it and you say no, right? And then that elder has a loving way of walking you through that. If they're healthy now, okay, every elder. <laughs> tell them, right? but, tell I'm, them. but what I'm telling you is that point that you made is so important that there is a culture right? There's this visual culture that is so surface, but behind that we historically, as a people even, have always integrated the wisdom of elders so that we can have a more courageous walk. And then even those who look into our ancestors and say, man, what kind of courage did they have to drum up to be able to say, I'm done. No, thank you. I'm not doing it. Now, so I mentioned that as the first part. The Mm -hmm. second part is to really respect the fact that you have a right to ask for help to generate this courage. You have a right to say, man, I need support. I need guidance. So those are the two main reasons why it is. it feels difficult to even set a boundary because there are other layers that people don't talk about that need to be addressed. The courage and then the asking for help so that you know what it is you need. Now, your last question was around, what does it say about a person? Uh, You're normal because the the societal pressures to be perfect, the generational fear that's passed down to not make a mistake, especially when it comes to your paycheck, right? All of those things create this very stressful atmosphere that keeps perfectionism in the forefront. And so perfectionism also requires isolation because you have to be silent about what's difficult and what's hard. So if you're silent about what's difficult and what's hard, then when you want to set a boundary and you're not sure and you haven't decided to open up that, man, this is difficult, I'm not sure, I need to ask for help, then that boundary feels like it's impossible because they don't have to be exposed as not knowing what to do all the time. So I, do, I think you're normal. If you're having a hard time setting boundaries, I also think you have a great opportunity to make sure that you figure out what you critically need in order to set the boundary. Not just, can I set it? But what do I need to feel strong enough to have the courage? What kind of support before I communicate the boundary? What kind of support do I need after that? What do I need to do to be strategic in the event setting the boundary has a repercussion I don't wanna deal with? Do I need to have backup? Do I need to have another option? All of that is worth it because your soul cries every time you let someone pierce through a boundary that should have been set. And it's very hard to replenish that when it happens over and over and over and over again. So that's why elders are so important, being strategic about how you care for yourself and not beating up on yourself when you don't have all the answers. 
I don't even know where to start with unpacking that. I feel like something that really spoke to me and what you just said is like this silent suffering. Yeah. Because of this internal or maybe it's some external forces at play as well. Uh But this internal slash external pressure to be perfect. Yeah. And I don't know when that started or where it came from, but I definitely feel that. And I don't know if as a culture, society, whatever, we give people enough space to feel okay about making mistakes, even though everybody does it and it's normal. I don't know if we've built in grace into our societal norms because that too is something that I struggled with and and as I mentioned earlier why I think it was part of the reason why it was difficult for me to set the boundary because I felt a pressure to say yes because saying no felt like a mistake (laughs) like there's pressure to say yes to everything and if you don't say yes to everything there's something wrong with you Like, why aren't you doing all the things? Why aren't you doing everything? And it's so funny to me because people from the outside looking in, like everybody knows that knows me, knows that I got 50, 11 jobs. I got a side hustle, ah, right? And so people have this perception of me that I like to work. (laughs) No one ever asked me if I have a problem saying no. (laughs) because I don't really like to work like that, right? I like the fruits of labor. I like getting coin. I like the things that coin can get me. I There are certain things that I do, like this podcast that I genuinely enjoy doing, but I can tell you outside of my podcasts and hobbies, I don't wake up every day liking work. <laughs> you know what I mean? But there, like I said, there's this, this pressure to not, turn down an opportunity yeah there's pressure to to have certain things and I feel like that has made it difficult over time for me to set boundaries I feel like I'm, I'm getting much better at it but it, it's it's required a lot of courage on my part because there's still like this voice in the back of my head am I burning a bridge by saying no is this a business relationship that may not come around again are my family or peers gonna be like oh my god why would she pass on that opportunity when the reality is I need to say no because I don't have time (laughs) I don't have time I don't have energy these things aren't feeding me they're not giving me anything and and there comes a point when just the coin ain't enough and saying no in my work relationships even work relationships that I have with friends or family has been one of the most difficult places to set boundaries because of that internal slash external pressure for perfection and achievement overachievement subconsciously putting an immense amount of pressure Mm -hmm. on myself because of my inability to set <laughs> these boundaries. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I turned 47 this, like a couple weeks ago. 47 where? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Girl. I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the yes. Jason, for the melanin, for the yes. I'm, I'm grateful. I accept. Thank you. Because there are other things that I really got to work on. <laughs> but this one I accept. I accept. Yes. Um, accept it all. You know, and I, I bring up my age because I'm in a little bit of a sweet spot now where 
I remember being passionate about life and about what I felt was my purpose. I remember being um, very proactive, extremely A-type, an over-communicator, right? Um, I remember having this feeling that no matter what I did, excellence was going to be involved. And, and if I fell short, it would just be phenomenal, right? And falling short of phenomenal was, this was great. <laughs> and falling short of great. Anytime I fell short, it was because the, the level that I pushed for was just going to be amazing. And that was what I was dedicated to. The one thing that I was missing is what came out of when I decided to create this whole self-care movement and the agency and the difference between random self-care and strategic self-care, which is what my program is based on. To be strategic in life brings you a peace that allows you to better understand why you make one thing a priority over another, um, how to educate others on where you are, those who, who deserve your time, um, how to breathe and accept when you choose one thing over another and on the surface it looks like it's okay, but you have done a diagnostic analysis over what you critically need to meet your goals. Just like you have a business plan, you should have a strategic self-care plan. What is getting me to my purpose and my goals? When you have that strategy and a strategic approach, then decisions and who agrees with them or not start to find their home, right? And so when someone does not agree with the, which there's a nice line for me, okay? And, and it's okay because I enjoy um, educating people when it's appropriate, right? Uh, I'm gonna tell you a quick story because all this ties into perfectionism, right? So yes, worrying, about, worrying about what people think and how they judge you, right? Or how they perceive you is so much tied to the need to feel like you are not only behaving perfectly and not only without error, but honoring the people that busted their tail so that you can walk this walk, right? All of that pressure is melded. It's not just, I wanna be perfect, I wanna be the best. It's also like people work their fingers to the bones for me to have what I have now. And if I even walk back into my old town without showing that I have lost sleep and sacrificed and beat up on myself, just like those who came before me, then I'm not really doing, I'm not honoring them if I'm not beating up on myself and reaching for this unrealistic goal, right? That's unhealthy, but that's okay. We're going to work on that. <laughs> so it's the reality, it's just, it's the reality. And I think when we look at television, it makes it such, um, or we just watch these shows, it makes it such a shallow description. It's not just perfectionism. It's this thing in our, in our chest, deep in our chest, that makes us want to feel a connection to sacrifice and struggle, that we don't have to share the brutality of it. We can respect the fact that it happens a proper set, but I, I digress. So <laughs> perfectionism I can speak specifically for Black women, is intertwined with all of that pressure and practicing educating people based off of what your strategy is and what you're clear about is important. So here's a story. So, so I got invited to a girlfriend's kind of birthday gathering and it was in Buckhead, really nice restaurant. 
So everyone's drinking wine at the table. I had my little ginger ale. And I said that I hadn't finished something. It was something I didn't get done. I'm real, you know, open when I run my mouth with new people, right? I just, oh, I didn't get this done. And there was a sister at the table. She had a wine glass. I'm just giving you a visual with the wine glass. And she he picked up the wine glass and she looked at me and she said, but I thought you were the self-care lady. And then she sips her wine. So the, the table shade. went, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> the table went silent because everyone read it as a shade as well, right? And I immediately was happy to educate her, right? So this is the moment where perfectionism, are you living up to what your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents set you up for? Are you representing them well in public, right? All of those pressures come into play. It's not just, I want to be the best. I want to be perfect. It's not just that shallow. But for me, I have been working my self-care plan, honey. I had been really strategic. I was super clear about it. I wrote a whole book about it. And what I recognized is the type of work that I was doing was a trigger for some people. And it shows up when they're unsure or they feel like, wow, if she's doing this, is she perfect? Well, let me point out where she's not. So my immediate response to the, the young woman was, well, you know, I have heard some people call me the self-care lady. I don't call myself that, but I've heard people call me that. I said, what, what they will never call me is the self-perfection lady because the key term in that is care. So it just means that I'm working really hard every day to take better care of myself. Now, if I was the self-perfection lady, I would have been really embarrassed at this table just now with what you just said to me, but I'm not. Okay. No, no, ma'am. All the way together. <laughs> right. So I'm sharing that story to say, you can't escape other people's fears. You cannot escape it. There are fears that people embody that they're walking with that get triggered. I mean, it, we are all human beings and old and would have responded differently. Okay. Amen. However, <laughs> I had really genuinely found a way within myself to be genuinely at peace with what my choices were. And I wasn't confused about why I chose one thing over another. So as a result, I was able to answer and I didn't need to, I didn't feel like I needed to be perfect. I didn't feel like I was embarrassing my grandmother or my great grandmother because I was saying that I didn't get something done. I didn't carry that. Anana in 92, 96, 2000, 2001, 2000. That would not have been her because I was not sure. I was not taking good care of myself. I was not acknowledging what my needs were. And I didn't feel comfortable around other people. I just didn't go. I was fairly antisocial. I was uncomfortable. I didn't really feel like I could get in the rhythm of conversations easily. Um, and so I know what it feels like to not only not know how to set boundaries, but not feel comfortable enough and sure enough to say anything other than yes. And I said it way too often. This is like such a revelation to me. Like, thank you for your transparency, because I feel like how long have I been knowing you now? At least eight years. And <laughs> I as long as I have known you, you have been from the outside looking in 
just a boss and seemingly so confident, so self-assured, knew exactly what you like, just someone that I have admired for just seemingly having it all figured out and just doing it so well with just so much style and grace. You're you know? so sweet. Well, I'll yeah. tell you though, in the areas that I felt strong, I never flinched. Never, never. You saw me in my strong areas. But when I went to deliver my son, I was vulnerable. I wasn't sure. I had not planned properly. This is before you met me. I wasn't strategic about my self-care and I ended up delivering him um, emergency C-section, telling the doctors that I could still feel that the epidural did not take. They gave me four dosages. They told me that I knew, I didn't know what I was talking about. And they literally cut me open anyway. And they held me down. I didn't speak up for myself. It was traumatic to say the least. I felt four hands inside me trying to wrench him out. He was the priority, not me. That is where not communicating, not setting boundaries can take you. I met you after having my son. I did not know how dangerous it could be to not set boundaries, to not follow up with something you know you need. I needed someone to hear me in that moment, just like many women in particular need people to hear them to prevent so much harm whether it's financial harm, because someone is completely ignoring their gifts and not being equal in what their pay should be, whether it's emotional harm and someone is behaving like some kind of emotional overseer, cracking this whip of embarrassment every time you come around just to keep you in their place so that they don't feel embarrassed around you. There's all kind of harm that we can be immediately preventing for ourselves, but I'm circling back if we do not nurture ourselves with the courage and then the strategy to be able to maintain those boundaries, then it just becomes this um, unbelievable goal that we think is floating around. Ooh, boundaries must be nice. You <laughs> set your boundaries today. <laughs> and then we start really kind of despising the word and making it something different from who we are. When we come from a people who not only understood how to scientifically see the world and be in the world, but we knew how to optimize on the gifts that we all bring to the table. And we meld through each other. We find each other and not even know a lot about each other and we still connect, right? That is what we should ride all the way to that boundary bank. We ride the fact that we, we know, I know you sis, I know you. I know you at that age. I may not know everything about you, but not only do I have your back, when you really need me and you're either about to go into an OR or you're about to step into a boardroom or you're about to do anything that you feel completely shaken to your foundation, if you call me and I answer, I got you. That is how we begin to really set boundaries and make it more a part of who we are. It's tapping into that shared experience. Yeah. 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 Um, and in some ways, a shared trauma and a shared history, um, you know, and, and that's not just, you know, it's for all all women, you know, <laughs> uh, shared just experience where I may not, like you said, know you, but I know your struggle. Yeah. 
because yeah. I've been there too. And so that kind of leads us to where I'm hoping, you know, we can end this conversation, which is how do we set boundaries? How do we get better at setting boundaries? Like what are some actionable steps that we can take? And the third part to that is, is how do we prepare those around us for these new boundaries that we're setting? Because the most difficult part in getting better at setting boundaries was that for people in my life wow. with whom I had never before set boundaries, the, the boundary started to feel like beef right? Like, like we had beef, like I'm mad at you. Like we not cool no more. Like we got problems. And it wasn't, it was me finally setting the boundaries that I should have set long ago. And similar to when I started setting boundaries at work in the workplace, it was like, Oh, Oh, she's, you know, belligerent now, or she's not collaborative now, or she's only, no, 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 no. Like, I'm just now finally vocalizing things that I felt, and to your point, have been eating away at me for years. And I'm just now finding the courage. So, so how do we, how do we navigate all of these layers of setting boundaries and get better at actually setting them? So practically, Um, if someone wanted to in an isolated manner, meaning you're all by yourself, you don't want anybody to know all of your, your hurts and your pains and your, uh, all the things that you're unsure of. Um, if you want to quietly by yourself, work on something, which I don't know if I'm overstating enough (laughs) that that should not be the role that you play. But if you want to start that way, first understand that it's possible because what boundaries do is they create um, a feeling of safety. That's literally one of the best um, outcomes of that word actually becoming actionable in your life is that you feel safe. And so that desire to feel safe in life for your purpose to feel safe or what you critically need around you to be a safe place, it requires that you First, practically ask yourself and answer it, which I would encourage you to write it down. If you go to selfcareagency.com, we have a sheet you can download. It has the different categories of care, right? So it's spiritual and emotional, economic, artistic, physical, educational, and social. You can by yourself without anybody else in your business, without you having to feel vulnerable and exposed, you can take that, put it on your mirror every day, and ask yourself and then answer it, what do I need in each of these categories of care? And what comes up may change each day, but what comes up is what you need to set a boundary around. Because most of the time we don't know that we need to set the boundary because we don't know what to set the boundary around. And it becomes this gray, fuzzy area that you're like, well, maybe I can change it. Maybe I can hang out with him. Maybe I can hang out with her. When you know in your gut and in your chest (laughs) that when you do, you will not be addressing a spiritual and emotional need. You may not be addressing a physical need. You may not be addressing an economic need, which is your time, money, and energy being sapped. Right. So when you begin to say, I practically want to do better with setting boundaries for myself, then what you do by yourself is you find the courage 
to wake up every day, seven days in a row. It's not a magic number. I'm not going to give you any, you know, psychological, you know, framework for it or metaphysical framework for that number. I'm just giving you that as a strong suggestion that every morning you wake up and try to fill in the blanks of what you critically need in each of those categories of care. And I guarantee you your ability to focus, your ability to even have the interest in setting a boundary, the interest in setting it will start to become a lot clearer and that, that muscle will get a bit stronger and your awareness that you need to be more courageous about setting the boundary is gonna take shape. Can so I good. tell you, like, this was a word, because that was going to be a follow-up question I asked, because I realized people need to know, how do you know when and where you need to set a boundary? Because I know for me, I didn't realize I needed to set a boundary till things were falling apart. <laughs> exactly. And then what happens is you start to borrow boundaries. You start borrowing boundaries. Well, so-and-so, she's doing right, and she never yes. deals with yes. so That may not be a critical need for you. It may be something that you would like to do or like to protect but that may not be what's critical for you. And so it just requires, if you want to be private and you want to just within yourself do that, the best thing is to ask yourself that question. And when the answer is, I need help, (laughs) when the answer is, I need to go to an accountant or I need to go to a therapist or I need to go to a physician or a a yoga instructor or right, whatever, or, or a minister or an email, like whatever, comes out follow up with it because it came out of you it came out of you and that's why we don't uh self-care agency we are here to um help you dig out what's already there in a safe protected space so that first assignment is one that i would strongly suggest for those who want to be private for those who are ready to get help find a way to push through embarrassment and shame, which is um, really an aggressive generational curse and hand-me-down, whatever you want to call it. Um, That embarrassment and shame stops a lot of us from optimizing on even what we have access to. There's a lot of access out there to help support us while we are setting a boundary. And what happens is accessing the help to set the boundary, a whole support group, right? Like some people are grieving losses. They're they're grieving. I've had a few clients that have lost um, not only loved ones, but jobs, friendships. And when you don't join a support group during that process, your ability to focus on what boundaries need to be set is weakened, right? But when you're getting support, Right. So that's my strong suggestion is that for those who are willing to incorporate others into this journey, if you want to get a therapist, get a therapist and literally talk about boundaries. (laughs) Right. Start going to a support group where you can begin to get the nurturing you need. Find yourself an elder you trust and lay your head on their lap and just be there and get replenished. Because when you're operating spiritually and emotionally on E, it's hard to maintain a boundary. You can talk about it, you can roll your neck around it, but you can't maintain a boundary if you're not being spiritually and emotionally fed and protected. So those are the different ways. One, ask yourself, what do I critically need in more than one category of care? What are those categories again? Spiritual, emotional, those are turn signals for each other. When spiritual is constipated, emotional shows it. Economic is your time, money, and energy. 
all of it together. And in one of those within economic self-care, your time, money, your energy is being sapped or depleted, or you're not really monitoring it, then it can contaminate other areas. And that's how the categories are. Artistic, how you creatively express and address what your needs are. Physical is your body and your environment. Educational is not just formal education. It's just what do you need to learn? Who do you need to be in proximity to that you can learn something from? Soft skills, um, all of that stuff you need to be- Setting proactive. boundaries. Amen, okay. <laughs> and then, um, and so then basically social. what I'm hearing is I need to be spending more time with Anana. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing is we have a whole team of um, strategic self-care consultants, myself included. So yes, we just spend time together, girl. But we have a team of trained strategic self-care consultants and that one-on-one consulting really helps to prime you for it as well as like the different workshops and everything. But you can, anybody really, as long as they have the desire to be more courageous, as long as they are still in some ways connected to their purpose or they wanna be even more connected, the boundary is how you can actually expand your feeling of safety, expand your reach to more people, and also find more patience for others who are not um, equipped with that tool. You'll be surprised. So those people who are having issues that you feel like you're bumping heads with when you set a boundary, you will begin to say, let's see, what do I need while this person is pushing back on my boundary? And you will address the need and you'll be a lot calmer when you're dealing with them because the compassion you'll develop for yourself that you may not have right now, you're actually gonna have compassion for them as they go through their own journey. And there'll be, it'll be compassion from afar, okay? <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but you'll, you'll have less um, angst mm. when you have to think about, I mean, there are people who have been in my life and they have set boundaries against me. And they're just like, I can't, Anana. <laughs> I cannot. But because I am working on my own self-care and I address my critical needs, I am so at peace. And I'm thinking to myself, if that's what you needed, I am so happy that you have found a path and set a boundary that works for you. So it goes both ways. I love that. I love that. I- I'm hoping to reach that level of peace. <laughs> it's a practice. It's a muscle. It's like you go to the gym and your arms are shaking, trying to get that. It's a muscle. You know, the more you work it, um, you not only get stronger, but you develop a muscle memory, right? And so it becomes second nature. You start to um, ask yourself what you, you start to do all of the strategic self-care practices automatically and it, it does get easier you still cry things hurt your feelings you know you get it out but it's a less brutal life when you mm. learn how to be strategic about your self-care and set boundaries so the last thing I want to leave our listeners with is what have you found on the other side of setting boundaries because for me what I found is an increase in getting the things that I actually want. And so one of the things that when I said things were falling apart, I was realizing that I was doing things that I didn't really want to do. I was unhappy. Yeah. And I wasn't getting none of what I wanted. And so it just came to a point where I was like, yeah, the discomfort that I am experiencing from getting none of what I want and doing tons of things that I don't 
is greater than the fear that I have in setting the boundary. And that's the point at which I decided to set the boundary is because it was just so uncomfortable living in this space of not getting any of the things that I wanted. And so I have found that by setting boundaries, I am getting more of the things that I'm wanted wanting not not just from work but my romantic relationships like I'm probably in one of the best not one of the best romantic relationship I've ever been in because I am so much better I'm better exactly (laughs) like he's getting the benefit of me being the best version of myself that I've ever been and 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 I think that so many other people in my life are getting that same benefit so so what have you found on the other side of a boundary setting? Because it's been transformative for me. And I'm still not even on your level yet. So I can't even well, wait till I get there. Well, my practice, <laughs> like my daily practice is at, is at a different rhythm now than before for me. So I definitely am more repetitive with my practices. Um, but just to piggyback off of what you just said, you know, taking good care of yourself is very sexy. Okay, it is, it increases attraction levels, you're, you know, you, you emit differently, you emote differently, when you have really kind of gotten into your own soft nugget center and, and just kind of warmed yourself up and taking good care of yourself, you definitely interact in a different way when, when that's the case. So shout out to you, ma'am, for that. I don't know if that is a motivation for setting boundaries for anybody, but I said I throw that one out there. Um, okay, so what I found is a bit more introspective in terms of what I did not know about myself which is also why it's so attractive to not set boundaries because it forces you to really learn the parts of yourself that you keep hitting. One was that I didn't realize that I valued my own safety so little, right? I didn't realize that I cared so little about how safe I felt in multiple scenarios. I've had more of a survivalist mentality, um, like an extreme, mentality around well this definitely but everything else was gray and I didn't I didn't realize that I didn't know that I had thrown away a lot of opportunities and a sense of power to be able to create a a feeling and experience of safety that I did not think was for me so that is the number one thing that is on the other side of boundaries these boundaries that I've set now are like easy, like they're not aggressive. They're, um, even when I explain a boundary to someone, I explain it in a way that they don't feel so bad anymore. <laughs> they're like, well, all right, okay, well, hey, you know? <laughs> and that's because my perspective of it is, um, it's just different. And I didn't know that that would be the case. I, I thought, Similarly, that anytime I set something, it had to be um, aggressive and, and that the experience was aggressive. And I also felt responsible for how other people felt. I felt like I was supposed to take care of them through the process of me setting boundaries. And what that did was it saw them as less powerful than what they really are. And I added more fear onto their journey than they, they deserve. And now, if I have to set a boundary, I say it in such an encouraging way that, I mean, I not only believe it for myself, but I want them to eventually believe it. 
I love that. This has been such a phenomenal conversation. I am so grateful for you joining us. So before we let you go, what services do you offer and where can we find you? Where can we buy your book? Okay, well, um, thank you for having me. Yes. I'm really proud of you. Before I go any further, I'm really oh, proud of you. Thank you. Um, and I want you to keep taking good care of yourself because there's people that need what your, your, your message is offering. Thank you. Um, Listen, I'm trying to hear what you offer so that I can figure out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say you can go to selfcareagency.com and we're kind of exploding. I just recently um, in January went full on with my own business. I've been pulling double duty uh, for a while and I am here, you know, I am, I have arrived now. Yes. And so um, we have strategic self-care and strategic business care consultations. Um, We also outside of consultation offer workshops and trainings, um, everything from strategic self-care in the workplace to strategic self-care for moms. And then lastly, we have a membership. Uh, where you can, on a monthly basis, just be a part of our little family and get all kinds of monthly uplifting workshops that are centered around being strategic in your life in general, and then specifically towards self-care. I do have a strategic self-care for help when setting boundaries book that is um, being released on the 30th. And so if you go to selfcareagency.com, then you can also, it's an ebook. So a nice little reference tool and then lastly the self-care matters a revolutionaries approach book um, that is the text that you can go back to pick up put down um there are book clubs that are formed with it um i have that one yay (laughs) (laughs) i love my books it it has stories in it for men women for everybody um and then also really practical explanations on how you can get very surgical about how you're taking better care of yourself and that is on amazon it's also on audible read by me (laughs) yay i love that thank you so much i know that i got so much out of this conversation Mm -hmm. and i hope that there's so many other people out there who did as well i am so proud of you do your thing girl And for everyone else out there, thank you for tuning in and stay locked in because next week we're going to have another fantastic guest, another fantastic episode. And of course, we're going to have 100% sugar-free tea. See you guys next time. Woo chow. Mm Mm-hmm. What a show. We shared some good old tea today, didn't we, friend? Thank you for your presence. I truly enjoyed you at the tea party, and we appreciate you sipping on some sugar-free tea with me, your host, Sid Mack. Until next time, be sure to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Sugar-Free Podcast or at Sugar-Free Pod. You can also visit our website at www.sugarfreepodcast.com. See you again soon, friends, and be sure to keep the tea party going, a with plenty of tea that's 100% sugar-free. <laughs>